Hello, and welcome to the Homeschool Sanity Show, your prescription for happier, healthier homeschooling. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschooling mother of six. Let's get started. Hey, homeschoolers. I've done a couple of episodes on marriage over the years, and I don't think that's nearly enough. A strong marriage is like a strong foundation for your house. Without it, your homeschool can crumble. This is not to discourage those whose marriages have ended or are in serious trouble. God is in the renovation business. He is able to make beauty from ashes. Those of us who are married need to make our marriage a priority. My guest will help us with that. But first, I want to thank my sponsor, CTC Math. Are you looking for a new math curriculum? CTC Math specializes in providing online video tutorials that take a multi-sensory approach to learning. Favorably reviewed in Kathy Duffy's 102 Top Picks and the Old Schoolhouse Crew Review, the lessons are short and concise to help your children break down concepts and appreciate math in a whole new way. The lessons are taught the traditional way, not to a test. Each one of the video tutorials is taught by an internationally acclaimed teacher, Pat Murray, who is renowned for teaching math concepts in a simple, easy-to-understand way and in only a few minutes at a time, using a multi-sensory approach having the combination of effective graphics and animation synchronized with the voice of a friendly teacher together with practical assessment. This three-pronged attack makes learning so much easier and more effective. Even students who struggle with math are getting fantastic results, and ones who were doing okay before are now doing brilliantly. Visit ctcmath.com today to start your free trial. Now let's talk about homeschool marriage. My guest is Scott LaPierre. Scott is the senior pastor of Woodland Christian Church, an author and a conference speaker. He and his wife, Katie, grew up together, and God has blessed them with eight children they homeschool with a ninth on the way. Pastor Scott's books are Christian nonfiction, largely taken from his expository preaching. I know you will appreciate his counsel. Scott, thank you so much for joining me here on the Homeschool Sanity Show. I would love to have you get us started by introducing yourself and your family to us and then telling us why you decided to homeschool. All right. Well, thank you very much, Melanie, for inviting me on your show. Really glad to be here and get to know you and your listeners a little more. So my name is Scott LaPierre. I'm a senior pastor in Southwest Washington, and we've been here since 2010. And we have eight children with, uh, we found out a couple months ago, we have a ninth on the way. And we're pretty excited about that because my wife turns 40 this year. We weren't, weren't sure what else God would have for us. And we'd had a miscarriage, uh, maybe like pretty early a month or two before that. And so we felt thankful that God blessed us with another child so quickly. And uh, I do some authoring and some speaking, largely authoring. Uh, my books come from the content of my sermons. I don't have enough time to prepare sermons and write books separately. So if I, <laughs> if I have a book, more than likely I preach the content in it to my church. And so I became a Christian in my early 20s while I was teaching elementary school. 
And that's pretty much when I decided that I wanted to homeschool. I was not raised in a Christian home. And I became very close with uh, the pastor and his family of the church where I was saved. And his, his uh, daughter actually taught elementary school with me and I became friends with her. And she, uh, some of the people at the school invited me to this church. I became a Christian at that church and became close with the family and closer with them than my own family because my family were not Christians at that time. And they homeschooled and that was my exposure. That was my introduction to homeschooling. And I was really um, blown away by many of the things that I saw. I was deeply attracted to the, to the unity and the joy that I saw in that family. And I'm sure it wasn't like that all the time. Um, you know, behind closed doors, sometimes things look a little different, but I became pretty con- uh, attracted to homeschooling at that time. And then the other thing, you know, sometimes people say, well, you were an elementary school teacher. Why would you think of homeschooling? And I regularly respond and say, I, I want to homeschool because I was an elementary school teacher. There were things that I saw in elementary school that I did not want my children to be around. And, um, you know, we can talk about some of those things if you're interested. Some of them you can guess that are just the, uh, especially it's getting even worse. I mean, I, this is almost 20 years ago when I was teaching and things are accelerating at, at, at a um, really astonishing rate, the legislation that's coming down, things that teachers are forced to teach. Back then, probably the worst thing was you're kind of afraid if you're going to have to talk about evolution. And as a Christian, you're going to handle it and say, well, this is just a theory. And, and um, But now, I mean, the things with transgenderism and homosexuality at such a young age, I'm, I'm, and I'm very thankful that I'm not in that position to have to teach any of it and also not have any of my children exposed to it. And then the other thing is there are many students around your child, even if you happen to be, you know, and the way, the way they do it in the school system, understandably is uh, for lack of a better way to say it, I hate to say bad kids, but they're going <laughs> to spread out the bad kids among all the classrooms. And so your, your child, even in one of the best classrooms is going to have some other children around and you can't control the way those children talk to your kids, the things they say to them, whether if not in the classroom, then, you know, during lunch and on the the playground. Um, And and these are, I guess, kind of secondary issues for homeschooling. The, The main reason I wanted to homeschool was I became very convinced biblically that my children are my responsibility. I did not think that they, even if I could, even if I, could be theoretically convinced that my child would be in a great classroom surrounded by Christian kids with another, a Christian teacher. Um, You know, my children are my children. God has given them to me. Uh, Ephesians six, as their father, I am commanded to train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The language of Deuteronomy six, we're told to talk to our children about these things when they, when they stand up, when they lie down, you know, have the, how the verses, those, that language there is so, um, strong about our children hearing the word, but it's coming from, it's coming from the parents and not someone else. And I felt I, I'm part of an organization that's called Church and Family Life, which is a lot of um, kind of family integrated churches. It used to be called NCFIC, the National Center for Family Integrated Churches, and they changed the name. It was a good, it was a very good name change. But these uh, family integrated churches, they generally might not even have youth pastors. And one of the reasons is because we think, and I, I say this, and I, I am a pastor. I mean, I love, I love the church. I love the local church. And I say that even children are not even the responsibility of the church. And so if I don't think that the church is responsible for raising children, then I definitely think that the, the school system and the government is not responsible with raising children. And so I love, I love the children in the church. I cannot be more thankful and privileged to be their pastor, you know, hopefully their friend. 
uh, many of them. But I, I tell them, we tell the families that the fathers are the shepherds or youth pastors, you might say, of these children. And so it's not even the church's responsibility to raise children. So that was a very big conviction um, for Katie and I to be responsible with the, the training of our children. Mm. Wow, that's, that's a really... Um inspiring story. So I hope you have encouraged my listeners to consider your reasons for homeschooling because they, they certainly are still reasons to choose homeschooling today. Absolutely. Well, today we are going to shift gears a little bit, just a little bit, and talk about marriage. So we talk a lot about parenting and you know, how to provide our kids with the best education, but we talk less, at least on this podcast, about marriage. I have done uh, a podcast or two. I I know I've done at least two podcast episodes on marriage. One, I had uh, my husband join me for um, that episode, and I will put a link to that episode in the show notes. Um, But we have been married for um, this summer, it will be 29 years. It is hard for me to believe, <laughs> very hard for me to believe because it's just gone by so, so quickly. Um, and one of the things that I emphasize when I speak to homeschoolers is that having a strong marriage is providing what is best for your kids. If you love your kids you will do what you can, and, and sometimes it's not always in your control, right? But you will do what you are able to do to provide a strong marital relationship for your family because that is the biggest threat to your homeschool. It's not the, um, you know, the authorities, Division of Family Services knocking on your door. It's your marriage falling apart and your spouse suing you and saying, you know, this person can't homeschool. <laughs> you know, she's not a good teacher. She shouldn't be allowed to, to homeschool my kids. You know, that is a bigger threat. <laughs> so let's talk about being homeschoolers and being married. What are some of the unique challenges that we face um, as parents who are providing their kids education? Well, first, let me just say it was really difficult for me to remain quiet that long because I constantly wanted to interrupt to affirm (laughs) the things that you were saying. Um, My church is 90 something percent homeschooling families. Uh, I perform an amount of counseling, uh, even though I do most of the preaching, I do some counseling. Most of the counseling is marriage counseling. And if I kind of back up and I put myself back even in the classroom, when students would come to school and they're having the greatest trouble paying attention, it isn't frequently because they were up too late playing video games and they're falling asleep. It's not because some kid at school is picking on them. It's because their parents were fighting. It's because some, some problem associated with their home life has, has been impacting them. So I, I love how you were saying that, you know, the greatest threats to homeschooling are not necessarily external or outward but they're internal, they're in the home, they're between, they're between um, mom and dad. And I saw that if a child's parents are going through a divorce, you're almost guaranteed to not be able to make any academic, emotional, mental progress with that child because they're so um, discouraged, depressed, distracted by everything that's happening with mom and dad. And so the best way to see our children thrive in a, homes- uh, 
in homeschooling is to provide a wonderful home environment for them. And that means a strong relationship between um, mom and dad. And, and, you know, to be clear, Katie and I, we've had our, we've had, we have our, we have, we're cloaked in flesh. We have conflicts with each other. We can see the way that it affects our own children. And we had to go to our kids and say, Hey, I'm please forgive me for the way that I talked to mommy or, or Katie has, you know, please forgive me for, for disrespecting daddy. And we want our children alleviated of that concern that there's any tension or conflict between, between the two of us. And so um, as far as some of the threats, when families homeschool, there's such, uh, so much energy is really pulled into homeschooling that it can threaten the homeschool relation, uh, threaten the marriage relationship. And I'll just give you one simple example. When our children go to bed, that's just about our only time together as a couple. And so you would think we'd look forward to it. I mean, we do look forward to it, but sometimes I feel like Katie especially is so tired that it's like, I see her on the couch and she's just exhausted. I mean, there's so much energy that's pulled into homeschooling our children well that the marriage can take second place to that. Actually, this week, the reason I scheduled this interview with you this week is I don't have a sermon this week. My associate pastor preaches for me every once in a while. And Kate and I went away a couple nights together, just the two of us. And we paid some young ladies in the church to come and, and watch our children for us. And we do that for our children, in a sense. I mean, you could say, well, you're leaving your kids at home and and you're not, you're not paying attention to them or investing. Them. Well, actually, we're investing in them indirectly because we're investing in our marriage. And if, and if our marriage is coming apart at the seams, then we're not going to be of any service to our children. And so we think it's and, and the other thing is um, there have been times when Katie and I had a conflict in the morning before I headed to work. I we live near the church. So I work. I walk to my office and Katie has basically told me you know, I'm not going to be able to do this today unless things are resolved between us. I'm not going to be able to function. I'm not going to basically just kind of say, I'm not going to have a good day unless I know things are good with us. So rare is the homeschooling mother who can have a conflict with her husband and then turn around and do a good job with her children. And so that's one thing I can say to um, any husbands who are listening, that it is so important for us as the spiritual leaders of the marriage to a husband might feel fine, for example. Um, you know, you kind of think of the language in First Peter 3, 7, that a man's prayers will be hindered if he's not treating his wife well. And I've, that's definitely, that verse has, you know, kind of rung in my ears when I've left the house and had to turn turn around and go home because I knew I'd get to my office and not be able, God wouldn't hear me when I pray, you know, and, or study his word. He's not going to open the scriptures to me and help me to put sermons or anything together. I've had to turn around, you know, do a 180, go back and reconcile, make sure everything's good with Katie. But even if, even if by chance I felt fine and thought and ignored the Holy Spirit's conviction and just went to the office, it's important for husbands to know that the wife probably is not doing fine. And she's going to have a lot of kids who are pulling on her. And the last thing that she needs nagging, nagging at her is, you know, a conflict with her husband. So if for no other reason, husbands need to really adore and cherish our wives so that they can do a good job with our children. Um, and then the other thing is, is, it's just easy to neglect the, it's when you have children who are pulling on you and want something and need something, it's a lot easier to put off your spouse than it is to put off that, I hate to say the word nagging, but, but nagging child. And so it's, it ends up being a spouse that's neglected before a child is um, often neglected. And so because of that, the marriage can really suffer. Uh, and so it's, that's why it's so important to be deliberate intentional and say, hey, this, 
you know, this math lesson, the reading lesson can wait for tomorrow. We don't have to do this. Let's go spend some time together as a family or spend some time together as a couple. We're not a big, we don't like screens. You know, we're not real big on electronics. We like our kids drawing, building, um, you know, crafts or Legos, things like that. But there are times we put them in front of, uh, you know, a screen to watch something because it's like, we need them occupied so we can talk as a couple. And, and if we turn something on. Absolutely. <laughs> and so you, you know, some of these families and they're like, well, we, our kids never watch a movie. You know, our kids <laughs> in front of the screen and I'm like, I'm like, no, your kids must be pretty young. Give it some time. And there's, you're going to need something to. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, really the more kids you have too. Although um, I'm sure you have found like I have that in some respects, the more kids you have, the easier it is for them to entertain one another. You know, when, I have been in the very rare situation of having just one child at home. I'm like, really? (laughs) This kid is just right by me talking, talking, talking the whole time. Um, (laughs) And you're just like, I need, I need these other kids to come back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yes, that is so, so true. Um, And, and you really led me into some other questions that I have for you because, um, when I have talked about dates, for example, or going away um, with your husband to have some alone time, I get pushback because people will say, I can't afford that. I don't know anyone. You know, I don't live by family um, to have them help me with childcare. Um, and I've even had people say, you know, I'm supposed to be home. I'm supposed to be home with my kids. That's my calling. And I'm not supposed to be just going off somewhere. So what is your response to that? Mm-hmm. Well, two things real quick. I, I don't want to forget to say this. I want to pa- pass on some encouragement to young mothers who have a couple small children and to, uh, be, the, give basically the same encouragement that was given to us. It was when we had three children and I think they were all pretty young. You know, I don't know if they were all under four or something, but it was close to that. And it was a gentleman who had 12, they had 12 children. And he told me, he said, this is actually the most difficult. Tell your wife that it's going to get easier. And she's in the trenches right now. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Because in my mind, I'm like, we have, we have three. How are we going to handle five, six, 10, you know, whatever God gives us, which is our approach is, you know, you hear of someone that has eight or 10 kids or something. You think, well, they tried, you know, that's the language we use. They must've tried to have a lot of kids. It wasn't that we just turned it over to God and wanted him to give us what he's wanted. He could have given us two. He could give us, you know, 12. I mean, it's just, we want to reach the end of our lives and have what he had for us. But anyway, um, so I'm thinking we're going to have some more and I'm like, boy, if we can't handle this, what's it going to be like when there's, when this is twice as many. And he said, no, it's, it's going to get easier. The kids will get older. The older ones will be able to help the younger ones. And so any mothers who are sitting there with, you know, three small children struggling, thinking they're drowning and, you know, kind of Jim Gaffigan is a comedian we like. And he said, what's it like having this many kids? And he says, you're, you're drowning, you're, hold, you're drowning and holding three kids. And then someone hands you another child, you know, <laughs> right. so for any women who feel that way, it does get, it does get better and easier. Um, when we actually went away, I don't, I know everyone won't have this luxury. 
but there's a doctor we know and he has a very nice house and they invited us over one time and they told us that we were welcome to come over and use their basement and you know to be honest it's a basement that's nicer than most houses that i've ever been in in my it's more their their middle floor it's not really a basement but um this is i think this is our fourth time going and they always let us stay there for free and it's and so i know everyone doesn't have that lecture but what a blessing it is for us we pay a babysitter then we go buy some food and we're not eating out um you know we might eat out once but pretty much the re what's the reason we're going we're going to spend time together we're going and the other thing is when we go away, Katie wants to rest and I don't mind that. I bring other stuff to work on and we get there and I, and she's you know tired and she says, I'm going to go lay down and I hope she can nap for, you know, three hours if she wanted to, because she doesn't get that luxury when, when she's at home. And so uh, if, the, if the, why is it you want to go away? If you want to go away to spend time together and invest in your marriage, you don't need something fancy and expensive to do that. So if you're trying to go on a five or $6,000 cruise or something, or take some exotic vacation, then yes, it's reasonable to, to, to complain about the money. Um, the other thing is for people that say, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, that it's selfish. Um, it's never selfish to invest in your spouse and invest in your marriage, because again, that is an investment in your children. And if you're, it, there's a little bit of a balance, obviously. I mean, if, if a couple was trying to go away you know, one, once a month or twice a month. I mean, but who's doing that? Most people are, you have to encourage them to go away, you know, once a quarter or two or three times a year is what we're talking about here. We're not, we're not talking about leaving your kids two, three days per week or something. Most homeschool parents could probably afford for the health of their marriage to get away more frequently together. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I don't really, I think that, that the good response is we are, we are actually, believe it or not, doing this for our children because the healthier our marriage than the healthier environment we have for them. Mm -hmm. Do you have, you know, besides, you know, that, that wonderful opportunity that um, someone blessed you with to, um, to get away um, together, do you have a time in your marriage where it's just the two of you um, talking? Um, do you make time to do, you know, just have conversations or pray together and that kind of thing? Good, very good. Well, so uh, kind of two points. When we first got married, before we had children, I was committed to reading the word with Katie. And when we started having children, that time really diminished to where we did not have time, the two of us reading the word, because we were having, we were trying just to make sure we had time with our family reading the word. So we, and I don't know if other people can do it differently than us. We have our family worship. I stress that. I think it's very important for families to be gathered around the word of God. We, we don't have the time to be able to have our family worship me, Katie, and the children together, and then a separate time for Katie and I together around God's word. But that's still a time. I mean, even though the mm -hmm. kids are with us, that's still an, an investment in Katie as well. I'm washing her with, and the children with the word, which is very important. As far as the two of us being together, which I also think is important, we go over the sermon together every Thursday evening. In fact, the reason I scheduled this, I told you I'm not preaching this Sunday. I scheduled the interview this Thursday evening because I knew I wouldn't be going over the sermon with Katie, but it's so, so many, the families in my church have heard me say so many times when I was going over the sermon with Katie, that one family started sending children over to watch our children so that Katie and I could go over the sermon together. I mean, talk about a, a wonderful blessing that has been for us. And so these, these, uh, usually, a a son and a daughter come over, play with our kids. Our kids look forward to it. And that time when we're going over the sermon together, it takes us, um, it takes us, I don't know, maybe three, four hours, 
but that's because we get distracted. We enjoy talking. It's our only, you know, it's our alone time. And then we do the same thing. I kind of make the changes to my sermon on Friday. And then we get together again on Saturday and go over the sermon again. And usually goes a little quicker because the sermon is more polished. But again, we find ourselves talking about many other things in, in our lives and in mm. the church, in our family. And so I understand people aren't going over, you know, probably don't have the same situation as me to go over a sermon. But I appreciate what you're, um, you know, gently alluding to that husbands and wives need time together. I think you can, I've, I've heard of uh, couples and it happens in homeschooling environments where they, you know, the, the husband and wife get older and kind of look back and realize that they, it's like, they don't recognize each other anymore. I mean, we're, we've been so busy and we're so worn out and tired and it's just, we fall, we just fall into bed, you know, at the end of the day and we don't know who the other person is anymore. And we don't want that. We hope our, and as, as I, believe all um, couples do that our relationship gets sweeter the longer that we're married and we 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 develop more affection for each other but I think that can only happen when we're prioritizing their relationship so some people have said you have to have a a date night I've never really said that Mm -hmm. unless but I would say you do need a time that is just the two of you so right whether you, you don't necessarily need to go out and spend money but if it's a walk if it's going to the park if it's bringing a meal with you, if money's tight, you need some, some time and take whatever steps are necessary. I, I would, I don't like, you know, like I said, putting kids in front of screens, but if you got to put them in front of a screen mm-hmm. so that you have an evening together and go ahead and, and do that. Cause if you wait till the kids go to bed, at least in our home, probably going to be too tired to give each other, uh, you just give each other what's left over. Right. Right. Absolutely. So what are some things that we can do? that are practical to stay connected in our marriage? So first Peter three, seven, it talks to husbands, you know, you have those first six verses for wives about um, submitting to their husband. And then this verse, I think it's, it's there basically to uh, prevent men from abusing the authority that they were given in the previous six verses. I heard a woman say when a pastor, a woman went up and said, you know, there's six verses for women and one verse for husbands, because uh, a man can only remember one verse. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. (laughs) But there's so much, but there's so much packed into that verse Mm -hmm. about dwelling. Okay. So dwelling with your wife in an understanding way, dwelling with her according to knowledge, depending on the translations. And it, and it means a man should learn, a husband should learn his wife, learn about her, what she likes, enjoys, dislikes. And I found, you know, I put on marriage conferences. We've been doing this for a few years. It's one of our joys. Um, I have never met a woman who didn't appreciate her husband getting to know her and learning her and understanding her and how sad it is when there are men who know more about sports teams or automobiles or movies than they know about their wives. And so that's just, you know, because Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives. We know that very well. Um, But what does that look like practically besides washing your wife with the word and those other verses in Ephesians 5, one of the other big things is learning and understanding your wife. And so, and being sensitive to her. And for me, that means uh, appreciating, you know, it can mean appreciating some of your wife's weaknesses, being gracious toward those weaknesses, finding out how you can best support her. And then for, for husbands, um, there are men and they feel disrespected because they think that the children are more important to their wives than, uh, than they are. I knew, I know a gentleman uh, in in his family homeschools and he, 
said he he's come he comes home and this is just an example he gave me but i thought it was i i understood it and i thought it, i thought it was pretty reasonable that he comes home and he his wife never seems to have anything prepared for him and whether it's a meal or what, whatever it is because all of her attention is went to the children and he's not a lazy man he could easily go get a meal or whatever for himself but it's what it communicated that he is a far second to his children and to him, like I said, he, he, he felt disrespected. And I, I never talked to his wife, but if I could, I would say, Hey, when your, your husband knows you love your children, I mean, that's important, but he needs to know too, that he's valuable to you and that it's not just all about them and that you drop everything at, you know, or drop the kids at a uh, drop of a hat, you ignore your husband for them. Because one of the things we're trying to kind of, I think, we're trying to keep this in mind because people have told us this, these years go by quickly, the kids leave the home and we have each other then. And so yes, value your children, invest in them, raise them to know the Lord, but there's a point they're going to leave and it's going to be uh, Katie and I left. And we want to have a, a strong, healthy marriage for that season of life when it approaches. Mm-hmm. I was, I was definitely in, in that situation when I started homeschooling, I was doing it more as as a test run than anything because I my oldest was a preschooler and I thought well I'll just try this you know mm-hmm. and I did not have dinner ready um, I had no idea what to make I hadn't done any homeschooling my house was a mess so the only thing that I could say that I had accomplished accomplished was my children were clothed and they had been fed, but that was pretty much it, you know? Um, and there were days, I'm just going to be a hundred percent honest. There were days that I was angry that my husband expected me to know what was for dinner. You know, it's like, if you had to do what I just did today, you wouldn't know what was for dinner either, you know? Um, and I thought he was being insensitive to even expect that. Um, but the truth was that deep down, I was very disappointed that I couldn't figure out how to do what other women were apparently doing in homeschooling and parenting and keeping a home and, and making meals. Um, and, you know, that story I've told before about how I discovered that there was a way to do it, but um, what I wanted to comment on is that there are things that are important to each person in the marriage that are not equally <laughs> important to the other person. You know, um, this afternoon I was talking with my husband about um, color, um, color palettes and like what what season of clothing looks good on women. And I was explaining all this to him. And when I got done, I just looked at him and I said, you just sat there and listened to that whole Uh, conversation (laughs) when it makes no difference to you whatsoever. And Uh it honestly just impressed me so much that he listened to that because he cares about me and Mm -hmm. I cared about it. Mm -hmm. And because my husband cares about having a meal planned at a certain time of day. Uh, for us, it's about six o'clock. Um, that makes it important to me. So have you, have you found that to be, you know, an issue with yeah. that you work with? 
there, there were so many things you said in there that I, I thought were, I'm, 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 the more I listen to you, Melanie, I mean, I just think with the season of COVID and more people are going to be homeschooling, I'm more thankful for people like you that are putting out this quality information. And I mean that sincerely for, for homeschool families to be listening. There's going to be people looking for answers. And I'm thankful that there's your, your show and others that are going to be get, given this sort of information. Um, so with that said, I completely agree with you. Uh, I think that um, I'll give you an example. My wife is a very visionary woman. She has lots of ideas. And if you were to look at her life, it was a life of constant changing, constant moving, you know, all these new ideas and things like that. And I'm pretty much the opposite. I like consistency. I don't like change. I'm not adventurous. I don't, I'm not a risk taker. Uh, you know, moving from California, my wife and I grew up together to come to Washington is one of the bigger risks that I took in my life. It's just not me starting to write books is, was a risk. It seemed like a risk because I'm not, I don't think of new things. I like consistency. Uh, and all that to say, one of the things that my wife really appreciates, she has told me this is even if there's very little chance of my ideas or visions coming true, I'm blessed by you listening to them and allowing me to share them, just like you said. And so maybe I hope you and my wife can meet someday. You guys might really, really love each other. Um, I would love yeah. that. And so she, she just wants me to, and I'm in my mind, I, I might be thinking, I highly doubt this is ever going to happen, but I can actually see how it is blessing her. I can watch her physically be encouraged by me lit, considering everything that she's saying. And, and it, for a guy like me, to be honest, that it's, it's actually kind of um, could cause me almost anxiety to think about having to do all, <laughs> up with all of them and go here and do that and, and things like that. So that's a blessing to her. Um, one of the things that Katie knows is a blessing to me is to have a schedule. She doesn't want a schedule. She doesn't like boundaries. She doesn't want things done at a certain time. And so, but she knows that that's important to me. So she's worked very hard to have a schedule um, and, and try to follow it is, and to her, that makes her feel like, um, almost like a prisoner in a sense, because she mm. likes, she likes all the freedom of doing things when she feels like it and changing things up. And to me, <laughs> I kind of look at her homeschooling day. And I think if this, you know, I, I think, how can you do this? Cause I was a school teacher myself, you know, and this, and what's needed, um, the organization, but one of the things that you said that I would also add that kind of relates to this is to look for what is um, to appreciate different things about your spouse. And one, one thing that took place to, with me that was very encouraging um, and was almost a paradigm shift was I was with a friend who had a wife who's like super organized. My, my wife would look at this man's wife and my wife would probably say that this is what she thinks I want her to be like, just super scheduled, you know, down to the minute and everything like that. So I'm talking to this friend of mine who's married to this woman and he says, and he says something really wonderful about my wife, Katie, and he praises her. And I was kind of surprised because I thought he would probably always kind of look at, at his wife as being, I don't know, maybe superior in some way. And he said, no, I just, I think your wife is amazing. And I said, well, what, what I do, I think she's amazing too, but why are you saying that? And he said, because I see her flexibility, I see her ability <laughs> to be in ministry with you and to adjust and you go to this meeting or you're going to camp or, or everything that's involved. If my, and he said to me, I'll never forget it. He said, if my wife had to do that, her head would explode. She can, and he said, she can never do what Katie does. And I remember, I remember sitting there and I thought, wow, I am so blessed to have the wife that I do. God has been so good to give me this wife that does so well as a pastor's wife and can handle all of the difficulties associated with ministry as well as she does. And there's probably most, 
I don't know if it's an exaggeration, probably almost all other women would not be able to, to have adjust like my wife is able to adjust um, because of her kind of visionary nature. And so just to, I, I could spend my, you know, my life thinking about that. I wish Katie was better organized, or I can think about how wonderful a pastor's wife she is and homeschooling mom and, and how she adjusts to things, you know, so we should look for those strengths that our spouses have mm. not, or we'll be not focus on the, you know, weaknesses or things we wish were different. Mm. That's, that's just excellent. And, and also just going along with that is, and, and you were alluding to this, but seeing your spouse's characteristics and strengths as a gift from God to help protect you, to, to bring balance uh, to your life. I am someone who, I am a people pleaser. And I think, especially in years past, I've, I've had six children beat, beat this out of me. <laughs> <laughs> to a great extent. But um, in the past, when someone would say, oh, would you do this for me? I felt like I had to, you know, I, to be a good person, I have to say yes. And um, my husband is not that way. <laughs> he will just say, nope, nope, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and I don't care if you're mad, I'm just not going to. Um, and one particular time I was on the schedule to deliver a meal to a new mom. And my husband said, well, you're not going to do it. You just had a baby. <laughs> what are you thinking? And I said, well, I have to do it. And he said, no, you don't. That's ridiculous. And, you know, it was having that other voice, in this case, a voice of reason saying, no, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's crazy. Why would you do that? Yeah. Um, and I just, I love how, how God does that. And then, especially when he gives us a vision, just like what you had of your wife, of those strengths that you've been blessed with in your spouse. Mm -hmm. And well, I think that's, I, your husband is, a, I think is a wise, godly man who has your best interests in mind. And I'm sure you appreciate him doing that. That is one way for us to shepherd our wives is to recognize we all have limitations. None of us are infinite like God. We have limited amounts of strength, energy, time. And it is a wise, caring husband that can look at his wife and say, no, I don't, I don't think you should do this. And you, you need to rest. You need to relax. Don't worry about trying to take this on. And as a pastor's wife, you can imagine Katie, she, it, the number of minutes needs and ministries and things are, would be endless for her. Mm -hmm. And so I think if I had my choice, I mean, I love counseling with my wife. I love her being there, but I've told people, I said, they said, can, you know, I need some counseling, my wife and I for this and that. And I'll tell them up front, I'll say, you know what, I'm happy to serve you the best that I can, but you need to know, I'm probably not going to be able to bring Katie. So if you're looking to someone that there's, and ideally there should be a husband and wife because a woman can feel ganged up on if it's her husband. And so it's, it is more challenging. I'll just be honest with you. I would love to have my wife there with me, but mm -hmm. I, I know that she has limits. And so I'll tell people she can't, she's not going to be able to be here. So if you still want me to do it, I'm happy to do that. And in being as visionary as she is, she'll, like I said, she'll take on lots of different things and to kind of, you know, kind of hedge her in a little bit and say, and so for ministry, she, I know how my wife is recharged. She enjoys conferences. She enjoys um, traveling with me for speaking. She, she likes doing these things. Those, those uh, give her energy and give her life. We're both very extrovert. I mean, it's one reason I talked to you about great homeschool conventions. That's just, yes. it's attractive to the two of us. We enjoy that environment and booths and talking to people. 
but there's but um that's because then it recharges her and gives her energy mm-hmm. and there's other stuff that wears her down and i need to that's what a you know a good husband does is try to protect her so i don't get i don't put much other stuff on her plate so mm. that's that's so good and i have determined that katie and i could be dangerous together <laughs> We would probably concoct some plans that would make your head explode. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it, Melody. I believe it. Oh, well, this is so good. So I have, um, hopefully I have couples listening um, to this, homeschooling um, couples. What would you say a couple could do to really invest in their marriage? What's like a quick action step that a couple could mm-hmm. take? Mm-hmm. Very good. So I I know it might sound like uh, cliche, but if you keep Christ first in your marriage, then most other things have a way of working themselves out. And so generally kind of that, I, that analogy, if the, if the vertical is, is doing well, if things are going well with the Lord, then the horizontal has a way of fixing itself. And so frequently marriage counseling for me, you know, to give you an idea, people come in and they're talking about what their spouse is doing. That's terrible. And and then I and I kind of ask him, well, what is your devotional time? What time in the word look like? What does your prayer time look like? What does your time in worship look like? And I, I know these people. Maybe I haven't seen mm-hmm. them at church too much. Maybe they're not too involved. And, you know, the husband looks at me and he says, I just told you the way what my wife said to me the other day. Why are you asking me about what my time in the word looks like? Or the wife says, I just told you how my how rude my husband was. Why are you asking me about um, you know, my, his time in the word or my time. And I'm, and my answer is because these are all symptoms. What we're experiencing right here are symptoms of problems in your relationship with Christ. And so if a homeschooling family can be a Christ centered family, if they can be focused on the Lord, there are many other things that just have a way of working, of working themselves out. Many of the problems that are, we think are problems are actually just symptoms of, of the Lord, not occupying that, that, uh, throne that he should in our homes. And so we want homes that revolve around the Lord, revolve around the word of God, revolve around prayer. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't, it's, um, you know, we've got a lot of small children. Sometimes it feels like, you know, it's constantly like, sit up, sit up, pay attention, stop hitting your brother. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Follow on, follow on verse 13, verse 14, you know, and it's like, yeah. it doesn't, it's not the prettiest, but <laughs> We think that if we're trying to put the Lord first, hopefully he's going to honor that. You know, First Samuel 2.30, God honors those who honor him. And so that's what we're trying to do. And, and from a father, a pastor who, who has plenty of struggles in his home. And we, like I said, you know, I don't want it. Sometimes you hear someone talk about family worship and you picture all the children in this perfect little row with their Bibles on their lap. I don't know that it's ever looked like that. And so just be encouraged that God recognizes the effort. And I believe that he's going to, you know, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God. These other things will be mm-hmm. added to you. I do believe that, that that's a verse that God, um, you know, honors in families mm-hmm. and in marriages. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, you know, that's what I especially love about that is that that is something that you can control. So if you are a homeschooling wife listening to us without your husband and you just feel like, yeah, well, you know, I can do my part, but he's not going to do his part. You can do your part by going to the Lord and really focusing on that relationship first. Boy, I have had so many experiences where that has been proven to be true, that when that relationship between me and my heavenly father is strong mm-hmm. and it, it pulls the relationship between me and my husband 
closer together, um, even if he isn't um, responding in kind, you know, and focusing on his own relationship. So um, that's an encouragement that I can give. Well, Scott, I know you said that you um, turn your sermons into books, which I think is brilliant. That's uh, it's a brilliant um, use of your of your time and your work. But uh, can you tell us the name of a book that you have on marriage that our listeners could get and where they could find it? Yeah. So the whole authoring thing thing sort of started where I was writing out my sermons very thoroughly and I preached on marriage at my church. And it's kind of a, a joke. I haven't been able to live down where I was. It was going to be the marriage month. And it ended up being like a marriage year, you know, <laughs> marriage. and and the feedback, you know, I kind of feel out my congregation. Are they getting tired of talking about, you know, Solomon? Are they getting tired of being in, in Ephesians? We need to pick this up a little bit and kind of reading the congregation. I was enjoying it. I was getting a lot of good feedback. We have a lot of children in the service who are even learning. They're going to be married at some point. There's older people. They're being, are feeling glad that younger people are hearing this. And I took all that material and that was my first book, Marriage God's Way. And that's how my ministry kind of began. And I just, by God's grace, it did well. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm still learning very much. And God, my prayer was that he would use it for his glory. And he has sold it, you know, lots of copies of it. And then I, that was self-publishing. I started traditional publishing um, last year and Harvest House Publishers, they said, you know, we want to publish your next book finances God's way, but we actually want to republish your book, Marriage God's Way. And so Marriage God's Way, which is currently available, is going to be coming out in September, republished as your Marriage God's Way. They said they want to change the title. Um, And there's an accompanying workbook. And so, and then I published some other books, Enduring Trials, God's Way, Work and Rest, God's Way. Mm. And those, so you can find me on Amazon with my books there. If you're looking for a marriage book and you've appreciated the things that I've shared, then I would encourage you to check out that book, Marriage God's Way, which again is going to be republished in September as your Marriage God's Way. All right. Fantastic. And you have a website too, don't you? Yeah. So my website is just my name, scottlapierre.org. That's S-C-O-T-T-L-A-P-I-E-R-R-E.org. And maybe you could put the link in the the show notes or something. Uh, I have a free book. I have a free book available there. It's called Seven Biblical, it's a short read. It's called Seven Biblical Insights for Healthy, Joyful, Christ-Centered Marriages. And uh, that's free to any of my listeners, just because I, you know, I hope it can be a blessing to you and bless your marriage. But you can find out about my speaking and my family and other stuff about me there at my website, scottlapier.org. So. Well, I love it. I'm sure people will be checking it out. That's so generous of you. Thank you so much for making that book available. I know I will be checking it out too. And of course, I will have um, the link to your site. Scott, this has just really been a blessing Thank you so much for taking the time away from your precious family uh, to spend with us. It has definitely blessed us. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for having me. And again, I, I'm really thankful for your ministry, what you're doing. There's so much I can do as a pastor, but I know there's a lot of, uh, especially women that are tuning in for answers and looking to uh, for accounts on homeschooling, especially during the season where more people are doing it. So I'm, I'm very thankful for you and your ministry. Thanks for having me on the show. And I'd love to come back anytime. So God bless you. Thank you. To connect with Scott and to get a free copy of Scott's book, Seven Biblical Insights for Healthy, Joyful, Christ-Centered Marriages, go to homeschoolsanity.com slash strong marriage. Thanks again to CTC Math for their sponsorship. Have a happy homeschool week. Thank you for joining me. 
happy, healthy homeschooling can be yours. It begins with one small step. Let's continue the conversation on social media. I'm at Cycle with Six. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.